The sun was shining down. Warm, not too hot, still and bright. Really bright, like God had turned the contrast up on the world, seeing the sharp, sharp edges of yourself and everything else. It wasn't just the light. I also had that cotton wool feeling. You know, thick wads of cotton wool insulating you, and at the same time you're observing things more than usual because of this awareness of separation between yourself and the outside world. And people were milling around. Lots of people, so many people. I think it was 800 or something, like more people than I could be friends with or know. And I was grief-handing, which is like glad-handing. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Shedcast. It's Brian O'Sullivan here, and I'm bringing you all the latest from the Shedinburgh Fringe Festival. This is usually my podcast putting it together, but we're now uh, being taken over by Shedcast, so it's great to have your company. Thanks very much for tuning in and keeping up to date with what's going on. So, uh, last night, we got the unique opportunity to see James Rowland's Team Viking, and I hope you saw it because it was really tremendous. I just loved it. Um... It was one of those pieces where I actually a couple of I had a couple of jaw on the floor kind of moments just with the, the actual story, like the the twists and turns of the story, which is like I've always said on this show, it's kind of the oldest thing in the book, isn't it? Just a, a good story, um, but the way it's told is glorious, such energy and vitality, and we're also questioning, of course, whether it's true, uh, how much of it is true, because he plays with that and he he talks about that in the interview, so. I hope you got a chance to see it. Uh, brilliant show, and it's done really well. Um, Award winning, and it's been all over the place. And now we get a chance, or we've had a chance, to see it at the Shedinburgh Fringe Festival. So that's amazing. Um, really enjoyed talking to James as well. I mean, it's just, it's amazing to me that people who I've never met just come in and sit across from me at a table and are willing to just open up about their work. Um, I had such a nice time talking to James, just connected with him, and we were able to chat. I mean, it, the time just flew by. So it's great, you know, you get a wee you get a wee connection, you get a bit of insight into how the, the piece was made, where it came from, stuff like that. Um and then I and then I got the privilege of watching it. I I mean this is the sweetest gig for me, really. I get to see all these shows, I get to talk to all the artists, and I get to bring it all to you as much as, you know, every day, as often as I can. So listen, thanks very much for listening and thanks very much for supporting the show. Um the donations are coming in. The support, the financial support for Shedinburgh Fringe has been absolutely amazing so far. Amazing. Um, and there's still time. In fact, you can still donate to particular artists even if you haven't seen their show or even if their show's passed. So if you go to shedinburgh.com, you can click tickets for any of the shows, even the past ones, and you can still um, donate via crowdfunder. So a reminder... The shows happen once. They do not get repeated. You can't pause them, you can't rewind them, you can't download them. So that means that there's one chance to see them and it's on the night and the the times are there for you. It's 7.30 every night. So if there's a show you want to see, you book online before 4 o'clock in the day and you pay a minimum of £4, but you can pay as much as you like. And all that money is going to the Shed Load of Future Fund, which is to help new and young and emerging artists get to the fringe because as we know it's a tricky and an expensive business so to try and level the playing field somewhat and give give people an opportunity to get here that's what we're doing and the the support has been amazing so far so that's wonderful go to shedinburgh.com and look for the shows that you would like to book and believe me you will find something the uh, the program is is tremendous i just i'm trying to do it one day at a time because Every time I think ahead, I'm so excited about seeing all the shows, I'm kind of like, hold on, hold on. So, 
Tonight's performance is the Archive of Educated Hearts by Casey J. Andrews, and I'm immensely looking forward to that. I'm going to be talking to her tomorrow, so look out for that. But today we're talking about yesterday's piece, Team Viking, by James Rowland, and he was here with me to talk about it. And as I say, we get some insight and have a nice chat, and I hope that this illuminates the path somewhat for you, gives you a wee bit of extra insight into the piece and how it was made and what what it came from, really, Um, the real-life events that it came from. So I'll bring you that in just a second. And before that, I just want to remind you that you can also support this podcast as people are doing um, in increasing numbers. And I'm so grateful for that. We've had a few subscriptions over the last couple of days as well that have made a big difference. Um, But we could always use your support. So if you think that if you met me in a theatre bar or something that you would buy me a coffee or a bit of cake or something uh, to say thanks for the show, if you think it's worth something, then go to puttingittogethercast.com and click the yellow donate button. That takes you to PayPal and it's a really simple process. You can make a monthly contribution of a couple of few pounds, whatever you like. You can make a one-off donation of something larger, whatever suits you. And remember, if you can't afford to do that, then that's absolutely fine too. I want the show to be free, I want it to be available to everyone, and as Blind Boy says, it's a model based on soundness. So if you're flush, and you feel that you can contribute, then maybe you're doing it for somebody else who can't right now. Really appreciate that, and I appreciate that sentiment from Blind Boy too, I've stolen it, uh, unequivocally stolen it there. So, that's all the information stuff. I'll get back to you on the social media bit towards the end of the show, but right now, I'm really delighted to bring you my chat with James Rowland. He's with me, and we are putting it together. It probably isn't a good idea We're all idiots for being here But the world makes little sense at all Why try and change the weather? So let's sing on through all the shit. For a start, I love it up here, and sort of. But also, I think I'm going to stay up for the, a while. Ah, Who knows okay. how long for? Because I love Edinburgh, and there is no work at the moment, so I'm not sort of bound by. No, you can kind of be anywhere to do nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's my feeling. And there's a spare room I can stay in. So okay. Um, because uh, I've got a bunch of friends up here from fringe times and people moving up already because they're, you know, yeah. <laughs> feeling the impending uh, disintegration of England. And uh, honestly, I, I'm I'm joining that team. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I suppose the other thing is if you're an artist and you're living in London, mm-hmm. when you're not working, that's just it is, so it, hard. It is very expensive, yeah. But um, um, I suppose at the moment it's hard for everyone regardless of where you are and yeah, what you're doing. It's just... Um, not a lot of work unless you can record things like this it's pretty good yeah it's something it's something it's yeah. tr- trying to make that into revenues the next that- <laughs> <laughs> that's your challenge yeah you got you follow the bliss you see if it's if it's joy you follow it and then yeah. the rest comes that's what i believe yeah i, I completely completely agree it's yeah. how i ended up making shows right so tell me a bit about that like where did it start so i saw i, I went to drama school uh a long time ago, graduated in 2007, did sort of jobbing acting work for a while. Yeah. Came up to the Fringe for the first time in 2011 with a show called You Once Said Yes, which was big cast, one-on-one, sort of around the city immersive show. Oh. Um, loved the Fringe, but also made loads of friends, made loads of friends who were comedians who made their own shows. And so for a long time sort of thought about making my own show as a result. And then it took uh, having a fairly catastrophic year in 2015 where I had zero acting work and Mm. a really painful breakup. 
and nothing else on and that's when I made my first show um, so when the back's against the wall yeah it was just like it's filling what's well, the filling the abyss with noise that's the <laughs> <laughs> that's the that was what it was um but yeah I made that made that show and tested it out at vault festival in london and then yeah. brought it up to the fringe 2016 um and yeah that's team viking that's the show i'm doing that's the very one yeah, yeah, yeah wow. that's what I'm doing today. and it won an award at the vault festival right yeah so i it won uh, an award for new writing and subsequently you know did the other shows there vault has been a really wonderful sort of home for me hopefully yeah it, uh hopefully one day it will be able to be back on again but i just i think they've cancelled next year already because um there's enough time to maybe plan for a fringe in the summer where there's a lot of outdoor space and things, yeah. whereas tunnels underneath Waterloo Station in London. Yeah, basements and tunnels are, it's going to mm, be a long time. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but um, br- brought them up to the fringe, sort of did Team Viking part one in 2016, 100 Different Words for Love, which was part two, 2017, and then Revelations, the final part, 2018. Then last year I brought them all up and, right. did, and did all three including sort of doing them all in one day in, um, i love that yeah i mean it's hard work though. it was it was lovely it was great i i did sort of doing it from putting on a performance between 9 p.m and 1 a.m on sunday nights which was when it was <laughs> time slots are always tricky though <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly the the people the tickets didn't fly off the shelves no no understand yeah <laughs> yeah exactly there. and so did i i didn't sort of walk in and go where is everybody how this dare is they ridiculous. Yeah. i was like <laughs> fair enough people have got things to do yeah yeah of course but i mean you you made the first piece. It was standalone, presumably. Yeah. So there wasn't an idea in your head at that time that it was a trilogy. No, it was it was very much what happened was some questions were raised by the first show, and also I didn't know I didn't know people would like them at all, which is why I then why I didn't have a plan to make a trilogy. That would be sure. quite the hubristic act if I'd be like, so yeah. I've never made a show before on my own, but I am going to make three. <laughs> Listen, you wouldn't be the first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So fair play to you that you weren't. Doing yeah, that. yeah. Um, but then, yeah, it went all right, and people liked it, and I felt like it was. I wanted to make another one, and I realised that. Uh, so this first one, Team Viking, is primarily concerned with death mm. through the lens of friendship, and I realised that the next show I wanted to make was about love, but again through the lens of friendship. So I thought it would probably make sense to keep it and once i decided that that was going to be a second part i knew that there'd be a third that there'd be three rather than it would be a, a duo but yeah. yeah so it was it was team viking where it all sort of started and um also the I, th- I guess the benefits of making a show which in some ways demands some sort of response <laughs> means that i sort of had yeah. to slightly explain myself um in the in in the other two shows i think so you put yourself in that position almost you throw yourself under the bus in a way yeah. by putting the one show yeah I, yeah and it's it's been really amazing it's mm-hmm. been really wonderful to, to say the last since then i've toured not non-stop but more or less full-time sort of yeah. Round primarily England, but um I've been lucky enough to come up to the Tron in Glasgow and Great Theatre. Yeah, 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 really beautiful, lovely people. It's I mean, place. There was an absolute I had a great one with my second show, which was it was on the twentieth of April, so it's the four twenty protests. Oh right. Where everyone's <laughs> smoking dope. Oh god. But also there was a trance music festival in town and it was sunny. 
And so you just had this perfect trifecta of the middle yeah. of Glasgow just being like people are either peeled <laughs> off their heads or stoned out their tree or absolutely hammered. Wow. <laughs> it was glorious. And then the, 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 just because there was so much hysteria in, yeah. in the city, the show was just a, it was an absolute riot it was amazing that's class what yeah. a perfect storm yeah it was really amazing <laughs> it was a really good day but the thing about these works from what i understand and bear in mind i've not seen them yet mm. is that they're, they're highly personal to you or at least the yeah. first one as i understand it yeah no all three are so I, they uh, absolutely well i sort of it's one of the things that i hope the shows sort of stimulate a debate about is in term is authorship and the way that um I, th- I, my feeling certainly f- is that it's it is impossible to make art or or anything really which is outside of your personal experience, even if your personal experience is reading about something. Right, um, sure. It's like okay. all we have is the raw materials that we're made of. You, you know, I I don't think that you have to be a murderer to write something about a murderer, but or you know all of those things. But I do think that you are going to be limited by whatever your experience of those things are. It's going to be a version. I, th- I always think it's a version of you inside the shoes of the murderer let's say for example exactly. it's like what would i be like if i was doing yeah, that yeah, yeah. it's still i isn't yeah, it yeah exactly and yeah. you and you have to i think you have to be sort of quite quite honest about that and i certainly feel with these shows that's that is actually one of the the sort of com, the conversational part of team viking which most i think needed opening up is um uh about truth and fiction Mm-hmm. So, uh, because this is going out tomorrow, right? Uh, yes, this is the day after your show. Let's yeah. for, so for I assume these that if people have watched it, they will have watched it. So it's not a surprise. So at the beginning yeah. of Team Viking, I say that uh, I'm going to tell you a story, and all of it is true. Um, and at the end of it, it, I say, "Here I am, five years later, telling you the story, and all of it is because, and it's it's not all true. <laughs> right, okay. um, but also." just before I start the show there is a scripted line where I say I'm going to go and do the lights and when I come back I'll be a performer and all of the rest of this will be artifice and I go switch the stage lights on and then say I'm going to tell you a story and all of this is true so we understand through that lens that where we, most we people might. tend not to notice that that's the <laughs> yeah. thing because people want to believe things but, yeah but then because of that and because some people were slightly offended felt like saying that something's true that's not true was manipulative I, I mean, it is manipulative, but I don't think that... So manipulation comes from a word that just means um, working with your hands. Yeah, like like magic or sleight of hand. Yeah. It's a manipulation, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. so it doesn't have to be a negative thing. I think it's a word that has a, a lot of negative connotations, and I'm not saying that negative manipulation is okay, but sure. I don't think it is inherently a negative thing. Um, it, it, it obviously most most often is referred to that way but um the second and the third shows sort of go uh, then the subject matter isn't about truth and fiction but at the beginning of the second show i say i'm going to tell you a story and none of it is true okay um and then the third show i just say i'm going to tell you a story and so there's a sort of i I hope there is a conversation which is about uh truth and fiction in art not being something that is um was sort of simple, sort of easy to disentangle. Sure, yeah, it's more subtle than just truth or fiction, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, anybody writing a play, even if it's about something vastly different, people are still writing about themselves because it's coming from them. Mm-hmm. And people writing something that is autobiographical, uh, even if it does, you know, just because something is true doesn't mean it's real. 
and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really interesting the fact that certainly these days a lot of people sort of I think mistake the two things and go well that really happened which means it's true or yeah. like more or somehow has a value which is more than something that didn't really happen but that's also not how memory works so when yeah. people are doing shows which are based on memory and things that really happen to them they're not reliving the experience they mm. are recounting an experience they're recounting actually the last time they remembered it so that every time you do that it sort of changes yeah exactly yeah. and you get all of that with sort of eyewitness accounts of accidents yeah. and things like that the reason why people get interviewed straight away when they're in shock and things is because you have to because memories change so quickly mm. um yeah there's just there's a there's a huge amount of conversation and i imagine like a, a lot of people who start you start pulling at the string and you go oh yes. <laughs> this string doesn't finish <laughs> yeah but that's great for if you're if you're making work about it yeah absolutely You've an endless uh, amount of of material to work with yeah you? i think it's really it is it's really fun but the the i think also the most important thing is that it is fun <laughs> it's like yeah. you don't end up sort of like sort of philosophizing yourself into a place where people are like i don't why do can right. you just can you just why am do I a interested joke in this? Yeah, yeah. yeah so so a big part of your the actual show is that you want it to be fun for people is that mm. important to you then yeah i'm i'm really lucky in the because i don't think you get to choose how your sort of ego is satisfied as a artist or performer right. ego does come into it i think it is important that you do something that feels like it rewards you otherwise um you're sort of slaving away and you'll burn out i think you have to yeah, you have to true. get some fuel from work um i i feel very lucky because you don't get to choose it that um, the thing that i find most sort of gratifying and enjoyable is an audience having a good time yeah. um and again you, you really don't get to choose that i know some people who love doing it for applause and for praise and for those sorts of things and if that works it's whatever works basically sure, because yeah. the audience is still having a good time in that scenario it's not there's not like a value placed on either of those things it's we're you know we're all sort of we're all on our own journey mm-hmm. but it's just it's a really it's a really fortunate thing for me i think in terms of the longevity of these shows for a start like i've done all of them over a hundred times and I mean, at some point people will stop wanting them, but I haven't reached the point yet where I'm fed up of performing them. And I think it is because reaching a new audience, even if it's an, even if it's people returning, because I know some people have seen some of these shows a bunch of times. It's yeah. been really nice sort of announcing this and it being on Twitter and people writing going, I'm going to go and watch this. Sh- I'm going to watch this show for the fourth time or whatever, because... cool. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. But also that ties back into the memory thing as well, of being like it's new for them um, because they're a different person than when they saw it before. Yeah, and we watch things again, you know, in all, in all other contexts. Yeah. The only thing that people don't do quite so much is read reread books. Yeah. I've heard, and I am one for rereading books. So am I, actually. Yeah, yeah, if I know I enjoyed it because it is different. Yeah. That's but we rewatch exactly. movies and we rewatch, mm. I've rewatched series, you yeah. know, I leave it long enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until it's diluted a bit, the memory, and then I go back and I enjoy it again. Yeah, I think there is a huge amount of merit to that, and I think it's interesting with theatre that that opportunity doesn't seem to come up that often. Mm. Um, I'm not perfectly sure that uh, Jerusalem is necessarily the show that people need to see again, but I do think it's interesting that it's being remounted, or the idea is that they'll put it back on in the West End, Um, because it will be, it will of course be different, because everybody who's in it will it'll be either recast or they'll be 10 years older yeah 
but opera obviously they restage productions over and over and classic works or classical works as yeah well, of know? course and well and then you go to yeah music and you go if bruce springsteen doesn't play the hits then it's not a bruce springsteen gig like he's yeah you know he's done more live performance he's performed live to more people than anybody else who's alive now since, is that so since james oh, brown wow. died i think i've not done really i've not done that sort of I'm, I'm not an expert in the field but i think that makes sense because he performs to the biggest crowds yeah and consistently he's, and he's toured yeah he's toured so much obviously james brown would definitely have been the one before <laughs> Amazing. um yeah but springsteen does a bit and every time he'll play the hits like he'll always play born to run he'll always play you thunder road to. yeah exactly of course you do and and yet with theater there's something about it and i think it's a merit of it which in some ways of it being transient of it being like graffiti mm. that you put up the graffiti and then five minutes later someone else might have graffitied back over it um that there's an ephemeral sort of nature to it but it also i think there is real space for rewatching, and i i, I find that i reread books quite a lot yeah and my my friend nathan uh who makes shows as well decided when he was quite young that he wasn't going to re read any books until he turned 40 which he did a couple of years ago right. so he just read all new books and when he was 40 he started rereading the ones that he wanted to reread oh, cool. I, like, I was like I, was re I mean he he does he makes a lot of autobiographical work and so like you really are treating your your life like it's an artwork and in, in yeah, yeah. like but I, at some point i hope he makes some sort of show or story or book about the experience of doing that yeah but also we have that thing of just like novelists where we get we kind of make stuff in this in a similar area or with a similar tone quite often mm -hmm. don't we because we become obsessed with particular themes and those themes come back again and again yeah, yeah so even if we don't repeat the show so much often what we do is we come back we sort of circle around yeah similar themes yeah well that's it isn't it because of the way that language works and because of the way that sort of again memory works mm -hmm. and things, you sort of go well that's how i felt about that then how do i so i certainly find myself thinking that sometimes going back to these shows yeah. uh, of going oh, if I wrote this now it would be quite different if I wrote a show that was about these things it would but also you go but I also did write this one so I don't know that was, was me yeah that was me yeah. so I do stand I do still agree with it but I don't know if I would put it in the same words if I was to do it again well that's the beauty of growth I suppose isn't it and getting yeah. older yeah do you change true. things in the shows now when you do them again yeah nothing major but there it does feel like there's just a sort of constant refinement of mm. if you're being alive in a room uh with an audience then on different days people will feel different things you, it's one of the things I always say before the shows in terms of content warnings is the reason why I think content warnings are super important is because I don't know what anyone's day's been I don't know what anyone's week's been or their life has been and yeah. I can warn people that I might say something that might upset them and by warning them mean that they're not upset Mm -hmm. And so it's a very easy, simple thing to do. I'm sort of a massive believer in content warnings because it's a very easy thing that you can do that protects other people. And why, so why wouldn't it's a bit like wearing a mask in the current scenario? Why like, wouldn't you do that? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. a very simple thing that you can do sure. that just makes. Obviously, people have medical conditions um, that mean they can't. But I mean, aside from that, wait, if it is a simple thing, just do it. You don't need of to course, yeah, you know, yeah, complain yeah. about it. And then. How much has the show changed in terms of how you're going to do it now, like for us today? Well, that's interesting. I'm slightly on the hoof with it, um, trying to work out. There are a couple of, there are just a couple of bits where I, I ask the audience questions. Uh, there's a bit where I go into the audience 
I'm going to probably just work that out when I get into the shed in a minute um, and, okay. and see. see. <laughs> but, I mean, honestly, because I've performed, I do a lot of rural touring as a part of my tours. Yeah. Um, and that means village halls with massively varying quality of even roofs um, mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, so they're, they're, they're really flexible shows. It, and sometimes... I think with a live audience, you can get away with fixing something on the feet because it's, it's quite fun for the people in the room to be like, oh, he's fucked. <laughs> people <laughs> but, love that. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Whereas yeah. I think online, I, it might just make me lose confidence. <laughs> yeah. It's a, <laughs> so, it's a different medium. Yeah, it really is. And this is the only time I think I'm going to do it as a um, sort of, do, certainly these shows, because um, it, it is not something I've been sort of crying sort of dying to do yeah and but i think i really believe in what they're trying to do with this festival in terms of making the fringe more accessible is something that i've talked about since i've been sort of an autonomous yeah sort of uh artist and coming up and bringing my own shows is i'm aware of the privileges that i have had and the uh, the f- like good fortune in the fringe i've had that's made it something sustainable mm-hmm. um and how unusual and unlikely that is um for a lot of people from you know people who aren't middle class people who i was so lucky in 2016 when i did my first show i happened to stumble into a job where i was able to earn more money in three months than i usually earned in a year mm-hmm. um and that financed my first fringe and then that fringe went well which meant that i didn't lose all of that money and i mm-hmm. could put it into the fringe the year after and without those those things happening i i wouldn't be here like it just wouldn't have been possible yeah it's a massive stroke of luck that, that very few people will have yeah exactly so it's great that they're that's what they're sort of trying to raise money for and yeah. then i think hopefully things like this will be um, a sort of mark and a symbol of of the fact that there is a, isn't a fringe this year gives people time to take stock and go what can we do better because i think the pressure to put on such a massive festival you totally understand that the big venues are sort of like do you know how hard it is to organize this as it is like without us you know being able to but it's vital for the survival of our uh, in 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 its sort of best form and it's fair to for the playing field to be leveled as far as it can and so th- for I, sure yeah so i'm really pleased to be involved with this well, I'm excited to see it. Oh, of course, when, when people are listening to this, they've already seen it. It's just a bizarre yeah. thing, but you know how <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. That's just the nature of time and stuff. Yeah. But I'm going to let you go and get in the shed now and Cheers, figure man. it all out. Cheers, Have a good man. show. Really nice to meet you. Anti-hero. He is a total Viking lad. If he was to have a Tinder profile, it would just say, Quaffing! Wenching! Fighting! I don't like long walks on the beach unless there is a battle on the beach. He's Prince Einar, the anti-hero. Then there is Tony... The vibrant energy of James Rowland there. What a pleasure to talk to him. Um, And then to see his show, just tremendous. I mean, I'm kind of sad that that we don't get to rewind or download these shows because that that piece I would watch again. And it, it inspired me and it made me think of of storytelling in general and what can I do and I've got stories and you know um stuff like that when when I come away from theatre thinking I wish I had written that or I should do something like that or a bit like that or you know that's inspiration and it doesn't happen all the time but it's happening right now uh, during this festival so thanks to James Rowland for that and thank you to you for listening Remember, you can support this show by going to puttingittogethercast.com and clicking the yellow donate button. More importantly, support the Sheddenborough Fringe Festival. Go to sheddenborough.com, look at the schedule and see what you'd like to book. It's a minimum of £4 a ticket and there are limited numbers available on each broadcast. So uh, get in there early. And uh, remember that you can also find out what's happening 
ahead of time by going to Shedinburgh Fest on Twitter and Instagram and Pit CC Pod to follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram. So that's Shedinburgh Fest and Pit CC Pod. Those are the accounts that you need to follow. So until tomorrow when I bring you a new episode with Casey J and we'll have seen by then her piece, The Archive of Educated Hearts. I'll just say what I always say. Cheerio now. Let's die the earth together.